Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today, our special guest is Dr. Dalton Smith. Sandra Dalton Smith is a physician and an author of Set Free to Live Free. She's going to share her story with us today and give some great tips on how you can live free and live the best life. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. I'm so glad that we connected with one another. I looked over your website and some of your book excerpt, and I'm really excited about what you're trying to do and share with other people, especially women in general. But before we talk about the book and what you're doing now, I would love for you to share with our listeners some of your background, your history, and some of your story that helped evolve into what you're doing today. Well, it really started off for me. Uh, just in my initial decision um, of wanting to be a doctor. When I um, made that decision, I was very young. I was about five years old when I decided that that was the career choice that I was going to make. At the time when I made it, I really was looking at it more just of a, uh, it'd be fun to be able to help people, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the medical aspect of it. And, you know, once I got into medical school and really, um, and really it was after I got out into practice, really could see how, um, other areas of our life really affect our health mm-hmm. and our well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the physical part, but also the emotional right. um, and even the spiritual part. There's parts of us that, you know, technically, um, you know, your medical doctor you wouldn't expect to discuss with you, but it is affecting your overall health. And it's, um, it's my own personal journey. I, rem- I recall um, just as a young child, you know, watching my uh, my grandmother go to the doctor. Um, I was raised by my grandmother, so watching her go to the doctor and the interaction that doctors had with patients back at you know back in those days, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't that long ago. But it, it seemed like forever. You know, the right. way medicine has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, that personal connection uh, seems to be pushed aside now more to the um, the pharmaceutical correction of things, um, and it's made a big difference. Right. That makes sense. And I'd love for you to talk about that. I mean, that's amazing that you were that young and made that decision that you wanted to be a doctor and you pursued that. Because, of course, a lot of kids want to be a nurse or a doctor or an astronaut, but we don't always go down that path. So can you share with the listeners some of what really motivated you to continue to believe in that dream and then to pursue it? Because I'm going to assume that it wasn't always easy to get through schooling and all the challenges that you had to get through to get to where you're at now. It wasn't, and a, and a large part of it had to do with just my initial upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, um, my parents went into the hospital when, uh, in March uh, when I was born, expecting to leave as a threesome. Um, two went in and two came out. My mother um, died soon after childbirth. Mm, so for me, um, when I growing up, um, no one could really give me a uh, answer that was good enough <laughs> for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. on what happened and the specifics and. You know, I, you know, in my head as a child, hearing that, it's like, well, what do you mean? You know, she died after I was born. It's like, how, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. So uh, there's always been this curiosity with me about medicine and life and death and just the, the entire, you know, way it all works. Mm-hmm. And so that really propelled me quite a bit in, in studying the sciences early on and 
seeing, you know, um, how the doctors that were in my life as a child interacted with, like I said, my grandmother as well as my own personal physician. I had a lot of uh, medical issues growing up as a child, a lot of allergies and things that I was dealing with. So I saw the doctor a lot because mm-hmm. I was in there all the time with some, one thing or another that I was allergic to. So, you know, when, you, when you're that close to a doctor that you thought you're seeing them literally every, every week, mm-hmm. you start looking at them as more than just somebody that you see for shots. Right. You know, they, they start asking you questions about, oh, how is school? Because you're there so often, mm-hmm. you kind of start building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And whenever I was in medical school and, and, you know, got to those points where I was like, oh, this is hard. You know, I don't like biochemistry. <laughs> you know, all of these things. The things that kept coming back to my mind were, I want to be able to understand what happened that day uh, during that childbirth. I want to mm-hmm. understand what could go wrong that could cause something like that. I want to understand how to be able to help people mm-hmm. um, to be able to walk through that process. You know, if I see somebody now who has gone through death or, or who's experiencing a hard situation like that, you know, those are emotions that I've dealt with as a child from, you know, from childhood up, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to process that grief with someone that you've never met. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and grief is the same whether it's with someone you've never met or with someone that, you know, someone that you're losing that you spent your lifetime with. That loss is the same. And so going through that process, really the motivation was I, I need to some answers and mm-hmm. I want to be an answer to someone else. Right. That's amazing. That's an awesome way to really create your life purpose and live it out. Although it's sad to hear, of course, that your mother passed away. How did the grief affect you as far as it obviously st- stimulated in you a desire to learn and to keep going and not give up? But what did you do with the other part of that, the sadness, if there was any anger, loss, those types of things? Because we often have guests on the show that have some sort of grief that they discuss or share about. And I know those are always great tips for the listeners because a lot of us have suffered grief in one way or another. So how do you think you have learned to deal with that or had been dealing with that, especially early on in your life? Well, early on, I really didn't know how to deal with me. I was a, I was a child, so mm-hmm. I had a lot of outbursts. You know, uh, I was considered a moody kind of child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one minute I would be just fine, the next minute I'm like screaming and shouting. As far as as I got older and and really could recognize what it was that I was dealing with, a lot of um, for me, a lot of the grief got turned into um, just general anger, kind of that God and the universe. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, you know. Whatever controlling, ruling force made that decision, mm-hmm. I was not happy with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so it made spirituality of any sort very difficult. You know, my family grew up Christian. So, you know, I'm, I'm listening to my grandmother tell me about a loving God and a loving Jesus. And in my heart, I'm thinking, well, how, you know, how could that be? And I'm dealing with this. You know? Right, right. That <laughs> you know, makes how sense. is that possible? Um, you know, so that, that made religion very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I would probably say the better half of my life, you know, I went to church all the time because my family was in church, but the better half of my life, church was just a place you went. It wasn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't any type of connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really didn't connect to me on the level it connected with all of them. Right. And it took a long time to get to the point where really um, it was a friend at a church as I was an adult 
who actually just nailed it on the spot. She goes, if you're mad at God, just tell him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stop beating around the bush with it. He already knows you're mad at him. Mm -hmm. You can't get past this until you just let it out. You're either going to have to forgive him, forgive you, or forgive you both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that really helped a lot. You know, I got to admit, I was pretty much dumbfounded when she said that. Like, what do you mean? I'm not mm-hmm. mad at God. But, you know, the more I really listened to what she had to say and, and process what she was saying to me, she really hit it on the head because that, that is what I was. I was just angry. Wow. Situation. That's awesome that you shared that because that is a huge turning point. And I think... What happens is when people are allowed to know that it's okay to be disappointed in God or whatever we believe in, to be angry, to be sad, and then to express that and work through that is so powerful and healing. It was because, you know, like I said, I grew up in a situation where everyone had so much faith and trust mm-hmm. in God that, you know, um, if if you if you feel as if someone has wronged you, it's very difficult to have any trust or faith in them. Right. You know, so you, you have to kind of get past that point or get to some type of understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And and it was really at that point that, that my life really just changed for the better because once that anger released, mm-hmm. I was able to enjoy life more. You know, I going into medical school, I was just really, I mean, a focused type person. Getting A's and, and great, you know, I graduated medical school with honors. You know, going through school and, and all of that, I was so fast that I didn't really worry about anything else, mm-hmm. relationships, anything else. It was just, I got to get through medical school. Right. You know, I was just kind of, it, it was almost like my security blanket. Mm-hmm. If I can't trust, you know, the ruling forces of the world, then um, I just have to trust myself to get <laughs> get it all done and do whatever I need to do to make sure I'm okay. Right. That makes Um, sense. You know, so it was a, a, you know, it was a driving force, but the driving force had a lot of pieces to it and and Mm -hmm. not all of which were healthy. (laughs) Some that were really, um, you know, from a wrong place, the result ended up okay. But even, you know, without having some level of healing, that would have just eventually kept going down the wrong, you know, wrong direction. Right, right. And that's a great share because I think that that's what people sometimes don't understand is that we get in those modes where we want to just plow through, if you will, to get to the other side of whatever we're trying to achieve or whatever we need to be rid of from the past and move forward. But it's so important to see that there's diff- so many dynamics to grief, to loss, to life, and really it's important to try and look at that when we pause and take a moment. And and sometimes I think that's how God does it. He brings that person to our, our life or that message at the right time to say, hey, you know, this is what I see, this is what I think is happening, and then it kind of evolves from there. It really did because, you know, that day we had that conversation it wasn't a conversation I was trying to have. <laughs> uh, it wasn't something I was even thinking about, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but I was ranting and raving about something that, like I said, I had these mood swings that just kind of just blow up for no reason, it seemed like. But I'd, I'd have these mood swings sometimes, and I, I was having one of these mood swings, and, and she just kind of said, why are you so angry? If you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're and that's when she kind of went into this whole thing, and I thought, why am I so angry, you know? Right. Um, so, and it really did. It, 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 all of that was making me more toxic than I realized. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> after that, those swings that were so volatile calmed down. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm still kind of a hyperactive kind of person. But, you know, it wasn't like it was before. Right. It wasn't one of those where, you know, I would just blow off 
the deep end, you know, over nothing, mm-hmm. um, because whatever was being welled up inside of me, I was then able to work through it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tears after that, mm-hmm. you know, um, for a while, just trying to work through and, you know, and getting to a point of some healing, because I really hadn't cried for my mother's death. As a child, it more came out as just being withdrawn, um, and withdrawn and kind of focused. Studious, I guess, is the word a lot of people use for me. Mm-hmm. This is kind of shy and studious, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I pulled away from it then. As I got older, it was a little more vocal. You know, I was um, I was the type of person who was just kind of into everything. You know, every activity that you could get into. Right. Just trying to continue to be real active and kind of a, a overachiever, I guess, more mm-hmm. than anything else. Um, pushing towards that part of it. And, and with a focus, you know, on medical school and all the things required to get in. And then after that, after, you know, after I graduated from medical school and, and you know, th- when this happened, I was through medical school, through residency, out in practice. So it hasn't been that long ago that someone told me this. And I thought, you know, wow, you know, how much of my life have I spent um, hoarding all of this, you know, within my spirit right. that has kept me from being transparent with people because, you know, when you have your walls up like that, it's really hard to be open. That's you right. Know, even this kind of conversation would be hard because you're worried about what other people are going to think and, you know, how they're going to judge you. But when you start peeling away some of those layers, it really frees you. And, and that's how the, the really the book came about. That I, I started working with other people. You know, after I kind of worked through some of my own stuff, it, started, it became real easy to start seeing it in others. Right. That and I was sense. able to then start seeing how okay, well, you know, yeah, their blood pressure is elevated, but it's elevated because they're stressed. Right. Now we got to figure out what are they stressed about? Is it something current or something, you know, like, like I was, something from the past that needs to be worked through? That's powerful because I think that more and more people are realizing, not just the medical community, but people in general, that our well-being, our level of stress, our mindset, how depressed or discouraged we are totally affects our physical health and I love to hear that a physician is able to connect that more and start talking to patients about what does that look like and how can we help you in more of a well-rounded way if you will than just this one way to fix the physical problem because you may well fix the physical problem but that's not going to change the stress or anxiety or depression that someone might be going through and sometimes that's really the source of the problem. Absolutely. And that was a trick because, you know, I'd have two people come in, both with depression, very similar situations. I give them both the same medicine. One would come back great, the other would come back worse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's going on here? You know? mm-hmm. um, because the science of the medicine, yes, medicines work different in different people, but, you know, I should see something in the other person. So what right. is it that, that, the, that, that doesn't need a pill? You know, mm-hmm. if the pill's not working, there's something else going on that, that is not pill-related. It's something deeper that needs to be addressed. And, and that made a huge difference in how I practice medicine because, um, you know, medicine and school has trained me in such a way that, my instinct is to, to evaluate and diagnose and right. treat. So whether that diagnosis leads to a pill or leads to a counseling session or whatever, as long as the patient ends up coming out of it in a positive note and feeling better, that's, that's, the, perp, you know, that's the end result. Right. You know, everything doesn't have to have a pill, even though that's kind of how, how a lot of people see it nowadays. 
the reality is there's so much more available to make us feel better, yes. whether it's the nutritional changes, diet, you know, vitamin dietary changes, emotional and spiritual counseling. You know, the pill is just one small piece of the pie. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that because I know that a lot of people need to hear that and a lot of people will connect to what you're saying because they too have found healing outside of typical medical avenues to be healed or freed from whatever illness or ailment they have. So you mentioned the book and and how it kind of started to come into play with everything that you had been going through. What was the idea behind it when you decided that you were going to write the book and share some of what you learned? Well, when I when I started writing Set Free to Live Free, it really didn't start off as a book. Uh, it started off just as me being, wanting to put together kind of a couple of handouts to give patients on specific issues and problems that I saw women were working through. Mm-hmm. Now, I say women because um, as a female physician, I mean, I didn't go after a female population. They just seemed to come. Women seem to like female doctors. So my my office is probably 60% um, female patient based. Mm-hmm. So when I started working with these ladies, I, I wanted to have something to give them because a lot of times, you know, our normal 20-minute office visit just did not seem like enough time. Right. And I wanted, you know, if I had something I could get typed out, you know, then I could give it to them. And, you know, most of what I was working through with them were things that they were starting to believe that just were not true. Things about limitations they were putting on their lives, behavior um, that they were starting to to incorporate into themselves, um, whether it was images that they were seeing off media or TV or magazines, and Mm -hmm. then starting to down themselves because they didn't look like, you know, these different things. Right. And... You know, there's all the different aspects of it. So I started just kind of putting together little handouts. And, you know, as I started working through this, I occasionally would run across a woman who was kind of like myself who had a lot of these little issues that were kind of all kind of hammering at her from different locations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to hand somebody 50 handouts. Right, right. So I thought, I thought you know, it would be cool to be able to put this together into some type of book format so that if I have a patient where I feel like, wow, I wish I had eight hours a day to spend with you so we can work through this, maybe if I could give her something in a book format and I could say, come back in a, you know, in a week and let's work through the first two chapters or, you know, let's go through this or whatever. And that's where, that's what I started. And, you know, when I wrote it, um, you know, Set Free to Live Free, when I wrote that, the title came up because that's how I felt after mm-hmm. I worked through the process. Mm-hmm. I felt like something had been released off of me, that I was living in a different place than I had been before. You know, I felt like before I had been living in this bound up, angry spot. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was such a freeing and liberating experience to get to the point where I was no longer just mad at the world no longer having these kind of just angry outbursts against God, even though I wasn't addressing God when I was having the outbursts, mm-hmm. you know, no longer held all of these negative things and thoughts and started kind of operating out of a more peace-filled, joy-filled place. That's wonderful. And I love that you were able to capture that and share that experience and what you learned in the book, because I know that there's many people that need to hear that information. They need to be encouraged and they need to know that other people go through similar things or the same things and they're not alone. They're not abnormal. So it's awesome that you could put yourself out there and vulnerably share yourself as you are today. I love that you're doing that. That's so amazing to me when people are doing that to help others. 
And you mentioned something about lies, and I know when I read through some of your information, you said there were in the book there's seven lies that you try and help women to see that are not ways to live by. And what are the seven lies? Uh, well, the seven lies are based on really seven areas, and those areas have to do with perfection, envy, image, balance, control, emotions, and limits. And they're the areas where I find that most women have started to believe some things that are not true. And unfortunately, in many cases, have believed them so long Mm -hmm. that they have become their personal truth. You know, and it's really the truth that you believe that was the one you're going to operate out of, whether there's um, validity to it or not. Right. So I try to help them start incorporating new ways of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I try to get a lot of women to do is try to focus it on a scriptural type basis. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone has their own beliefs, but that's what I try to help women focus it on because it's a way of taking them out of kind of their own head game and what they're thinking and giving them a different approach, a different, uh, more positive, motivational, uh, inspirational type way to look at these different uh, lies. Mm-hmm. And those are key. I mean, I think those seven topics are all key for many women, in particular women who are trying to be successful, whether it's raising children or be in a career or both. And all these things just start floating around in your head and you're wondering, am I good enough? Can I do this? You get discouraged, you get depressed, and it's hard to break out of, as you said, these thoughts that we've created in our mind. But I also wonder, how do you help people, because there are many women out there who are told from other people that they're not good enough. So does the book touch on that aspect of dealing with trying to heal and be positive in your life? It does. Um, I touch on it in two different ways. The first part uh, is a section in the book that's called The Voices in the Crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the voices in the crowd telling you about yourself? And, and who are you going to believe? The voices in the crowd? Or are you going to believe what, like I said, my, my book is scriptural based, what God says about you? And the second section I talk about is called Defining Moments. It's where people start defining themselves by failures or a success or a title or a career or, you know, something very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, defining themselves by one or two or three different words and not really allowing themselves to have an unlimited open life to experience all the possibilities. You know, a lot of people will ask me to kind of give a brief bio of myself a lot of times when I do interviews. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and they're always expecting me to kind of just talk about the, the medical part of it. But I, I make a point of listing like 10 things mm-hmm. <laughs> because... I don't want to just be defined as a doctor. That is right. so limiting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, compared to all the different things that are available in life to do and to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to get people to see that other people are going to want to try to define you and, and because it's easy for them to be able to narrow you into a small corner. Right. But you have to be willing to not do that to yourself. Mm. And so many of us do. When I say, well, what, you know, what's, your, what's your job? That's what everybody wants to say. What's your career? What's your job? That is just one small portion of what anyone's life is really about. That's right. You know, the reality is if if we only stay within those little boxes, we Mm -hmm. never allow ourselves to really learn who we are and what we're capable of doing. Because some of the things that you can achieve 
will only come out of trial and error, and there's going to be some failures within that. But failing never is a, if a definition of yourself. It mm-hmm. is just a word. That's you can't right. allow it to then become a definition of who you are. That's right. Thank you. That was powerful. I'm sure there's all kinds of great stuff like that in the book and and very powerful because people really need to be reminded of that, that we're not defined by these titles or the hats that we wear, as I call them. And there's so much more available to us when we open our heart and our mind to the wonderful things that life can offer. So that's empowering and encouraging, I'm sure, for many of our listeners Can you share a little bit with the listeners how you've dealt along the way with times that you've been discouraged or felt like, why am I doing this? What's going on here? Because we always want to bring that up and help people to understand that though we might have had healing and found success, everyone still goes through those times that are challenging. And I'd love to have the guests share their tips about how they overcome that. Absolutely. That's actually something that I discussed specifically within the book. It's called The Five Stages to Freedom. And that's what I use really on a regular basis whenever I feel any of these negative thoughts or work or attitudes starting to come back up into my life. Mm-hmm. The first phase is illumination, is really kind of recognizing that it's there. The second phase is activation, where you start realizing, okay, I need to get back control over this. My mm-hmm. attitude's having this kind of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting depressed or I'm getting anxious or, or, you know, I'm getting down on myself, whatever the behavior is. And then deciding that you do want to make a change and you do want to move forward with it. That's the activation stage. The, thir- the third is transition, when you're starting to move from that way of thinking to a new way of thinking. And for that, let's say, if, for instance, if it's let's say, for instance, if I'm going to speak at a conference or something, and I'm I'm the only person who's not like nationally known, <laughs> which has happened a few times lately, and you know the thought process comes in mind, oh my God, I'm not good enough to go and stand in front of that group, you know, mm-hmm. I you know I haven't I don't have a million books under my belt that have been sold or whatever. What I what I do at that point is I start reaffirming myself. That's a transition phase. You know, if my if my gifts and talents have brought me to be on the roster, then I'm then I'm deserving to be on the roster. That's right. You know, I, I don't have to I don't have to justify it to anyone, even including myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, it speaks for itself. And then the fourth part is um, expulsion, where you forcefully push out those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's where like positive affirmations, prayer, meditation, scripture, all of that comes into place. So then I'll start telling myself things like this. I am equipped for the job that I've come here to do. Mm-hmm. I have a message that will be beneficial to someone in that room. Mm-hmm. I am prepared for this. You know, things like that so that you start feeding yourself the good things you need to get your mind kind of in a right, <laughs> right zone to be able to move forward. And then the fifth one is detachment, where you basically let go of that lie and you stop, you know, that thought and you stop thinking about it. You know, and sometimes I can get to that fifth spot pretty quick. Sometimes I've got to write out like a hundred different affirmations, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, to try to, it just depends on what the situation is, you know, to try to completely wash it out of my head so that I'm not continuing to just, you know, marinate on that bad thought. Mm -hmm. All great stages to move through to freedom. I love that. Again, hit the nail on the head with all five things because those are things that we all have to deal with and go through and they're great tips for the listeners and I'm hoping that many of them will pick up a copy of your book and be encouraged and inspired and where could they find out more about you and get a copy of Set Free to Live Free? 
Well, the probably the best starting point would be the website set free to live free book dot com because on the website I have a listing of all the major um, retail stores that carry the book. All their online sites are, are linked there as well. Plus, they can download a free first chapter, the entire first chapter actually, table of contents and all of that, mm-hmm. and get a really get a good feel for my writing style and see if it's something that flows with them. Mm-hmm. I tell a lot of stories within the book. Personally, I learn better that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of how medicine is taught. We give case studies, right. um, but I don't give case studies. I just kind of give real life stories of women that I've worked with. Names have changed, obviously, but real life stories of women I've worked with to try to help people see how these lives affect people, real people, right. you know, how they affect them and, and how they work through them, you know, how they got through the process. That's great. Thank you for letting the listeners know where they can find out more about you and get a copy of their book, Set Free to Live Free. Again, this was Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith on Your Story Matters, and we thank you for sharing your story today on our show. Great. Thank you.